What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Today's program is brought to you by Juniors. You have not really lived until you've had cheesecake at Juniors. For more information, visit JuniorsCheesecake.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In The Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to A Few Things with Claire and Erica. I'm Claire. I'm Erica. And this is our podcast about all of the things that we've discovered that we loved. It's inspired by a newsletter that we send out once a week called 10 Things. You can sign up for the newsletter on our website, ofakind.com, where you can also discover the products and the stories of emerging designers in the fashion space, in the home space, and now in the gift wrap space. In because the gift wrap holidays. space. What? What? I mean, we have washi tape on the site, not to brag, but... That's pretty braggy. Yeah. I also really like how when you started talking about the things that we sell, you got really elevated. <laughs> it got, like, very, like... Because you know what's the awesome? products and the Because you know what gets me excited? Making money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when people open up their wallets and hand it over. Which I think is a really good lead into our first topic for today. Yes. Um, celebrity advice books by Bad Bitches. Uh, it, uh, it's called... want to help you make money. And just all of whom are on TV or to have something most of whom yeah 99% of whom are on television women television celebrities have the best advice is what uh, this segment is called yes <laughs> <laughs> we only read advice books from women on TV yeah who else can be trusted Cheryl Sandberg that's it she's yep. the only one who's the exception she's the exception that proves the rule <laughs> exactly okay so who should we should start with Mindy Kaling. We should always start with Mindy Kaling. Why not? We love Mindy Kaling. Yeah. So we both read. Okay. So basically to back up for like four seconds, we realized that we both have read pretty much all of these books, which is kind of crazy to think about. There's been a long string of them. Yeah. Because as Cindy Gallup likes to say, there's a lot of money to be made from taking women seriously. And (laughs) somebody gave... I think it started with Tina Fey, maybe, and, you know, her book did really well. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mindy Kaling had a book and Amy Poehler had a book. And now and then Lena Dunham and Amy Schumer's coming out with one. And, I and think, guess what? People bought them. Yeah, and we're really into exactly. them. Exactly. People are making money. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, so we've read all of them and we think you should, too. But if you don't have the time or the interest, we are going to give you our like little pieces of takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Clerica notes. 
Yep, Clericanotes. Um, just a classic, just a classic Clericanotes. <laughs> classic series. Um, found at your your local Barnes and Noble. Exactly. Um, okay, so Mindy. Back to so Mindy. Mindy. Um, so her first book was um, wonderfully titled Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Correct. Her second book was similarly titled Why Not Me? All questions. Lots of questions. Lots of FOMO. Yeah, lots of FOMO. Yeah. Um, and the one, there was, there's so much goodness in both of those books, but in the first book, um, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? There was this one passage that probably was not nearly as meaningful to most readers as it was to Erica and myself, and it's about the general. So there's this idea that she highlights in the book that about this thing called like the general, which is a meeting that... Um, as she puts it, essentially means, I'm curious about you, but I don't want to have a meal with you, and I want there to be little expectation of any tangible outcome from our meeting. I read this on the subway, and I feel like I had one of those like light shining down, eyes opening aura moments like, of being like, this explains so much so that has much. happened to me. Well, especially when we started our business, and all of a sudden you would start just getting emails from venture capitalists non-venture capitalists um people who owned other businesses people who people who are like i feel like you should talk to my friend yes constantly. everything was set up as i feel like you two should know each other or i feel like you should have a conversation with this person i think you could like would really get along or learn something and it was never and you know we all know the meeting where like you reach out to somebody for advice or somebody reach or vice versa and you're and and there's that where you're kind of just loosely abstractly giving somebody career advice or something but it was never like that it was always just like not clear who had what to offer from a meeting and Eric and I would find ourselves constantly on the subway sitting there being like why are we going to this meeting and what what's, what's happening right now and, and then leaving and being like why did we just spend an hour doing that and Mindy Kaling describes this thing which in Hollywood is referred to as the general which is exactly that where you just meet with people just to know them and then something might come from it down the line and sure enough with her the specific meeting she describes it's the guy who created the office who eventually brought her on the show and so and it fully led to something it fully led to something and I I mean I think I will I will say that as annoying and fruitless as some of these meetings can be, and I am the biggest griper about these meetings when it comes down to no, it. No, but it's just you often realize things or think about things that you wouldn't have otherwise totally. or just make connections in your mind. And I think that there are a lot of ideas that we came up with around the business that were spawned from these very specific little, like, coffee dates in LA or whatever mm -hmm. where you'd be like what I don't know why we're driving 35 minutes to, to, to like to have this meeting but then you leave and you're like oh that you know that really sparked something for me well and I think the other thing is just I mean you always say this Erica is that like of all of the things that you can do in your career, the relationships you form are the most important. And at the end of the day, forming all of those relationships and just having the knowledge of who's out there doing what and, you know, sort of what's happening on the scene is so important. And having access to people to ask questions or ask favors or whatever is really helpful. And so, I, yeah, I, the general has its place as, as mysterious as it can be. And Mindy Kaling really helped us wrap our heads around that. Fully. So yeah. we want to make the general an idea that is much broader than just the entertainment industry. And we all also want to get ourselves in that place where we can just accept that this is like a thing that you do and Mindy is very she has this one line that you've probably if you have been on Pinterest basically ever in your life you have probably seen which is sometimes you just have to put on lip gloss and pretend to be psyched great life motto great life motto relates to going to all of these meetings and just like bucking up and yeah. like dealing with all exactly. the shit you have to do yeah um highly recommend both of her books 
fully. Okay, Shonda. Which, okay, so Shonda Rhimes just came out with her book, Year of Yes, in which there is a Mindy crossover chapter. So FYI, yeah. um, <laughs> keep, keep an eye out for that. There's so much to love in it. It's about her year of deciding she's going to say yes to everything. But it's also just a, like, Shonda, let Shonda teach you something book. Um, And we should all want to be taught by Shonda. Exactly. Um, And the passage that I loved so much and really spoke to me at the time was where it's about her nanny. Um, And, you know, Shonda Rhimes, as you can imagine, not only has a nanny, but probably has, like, several assistants and however you know and a housekeeper and all the people who she do has a lot a of staff things for her. people that yeah. help her out and she she starts by introducing the fact that she has a nanny and then diverts to this to this story about being younger and uh always straightening her hair or no curling her hair she's curling her hair with curling iron yeah constantly. basically trying to replicate whitney houston's hairdo at the time which we all it's like bodyguard era yeah oh yeah. exactly she's, she's totally obsessed with whitney houston's hair she spends hours and hours trying to get this hairdo and i related to this first first of all because i did that thing too where i would read magazines and be like you can look exactly like this and because i was 12 i didn't realize that it meant like i you can have the same shade of eyeshadow. You can't. You're never going to look like this girl. Right. That was very hard for me to understand. Right. Um, but she eventually... You can translate this. Exactly. You're not going to replicate this. You're never this. actually going to yeah. be that. So that one really experience really spoke to me. But then she fast forwards to being the Shonda Rhimes that we all know and love now and being having her hair done for a photo shoot or an event or something. And she tells this story of having always tried to get her hair to look like Whitney Houston. And the woman who's doing her hair starts laughing and she's like girl you know that was a wig right and Shonda like has to fight back tears because she's like wait what like all of those hours and hours of my life that I spent doing trying to do this and trying to make myself look like this were even Whitney couldn't do this Whitney couldn't she have says, this hair. I had not failed I just didn't own the wig <laughs> and it's and the, the it's a metaphor for this largest thing of like we larger idea that we all go around seeing how other women or other people live their lives and we think well if they can do that I should be able to do that too but you don't know the whole story. You they're so wearing rarely, a wig. Yeah. Or they're independently wealthy and have an entire staff of people taking care of their home and their children. And that's how they're working. Or they photoshopped the crap out of that picture. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and so Shonda reveals all of this about her nanny and her whole staff because she's like, I don't want you to think that I'm walking around saying everybody can be a working mother because it's it's really hard and I do it how I do it because I have the money to employ a staff. And it was particularly poignant for me because I read the book right around the time we sold the business and everybody was like, this is so amazing. You guys are such a huge success story. And I was like, if you only knew the number of times, like I did child's pose in the shower crying and the number of times that I was or just sure. like, we're like lying up anxious, an- yeah. anxiety ridden in bed, like being like, Oh my God, what's even happening right now? Or just was sure. Like I needed to start spiffing up my resume that I hadn't looked at since 2010 <laughs> because I was like, that's it. Yeah. I need to find a job. And, and so I, I have always thought it's really important, especially amongst women, to be honest when you can be and when it, you know, and make yourself vulnerable when you can be because it really helps. And people go to great lengths to get Whitney Houston's hair when they're never going to have it because it's a wig. Yep. 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 Um, That was, yeah, that was a particularly poignant section for sure. Um, All right. What's our next one? Let's do Tina Fey. Let's do Tina Fey. This Bossy was a really pants. good one. Um, these feel very, very work oriented. Um, mm-hmm. The things that we took away from this. Um, there are sort of two like mini points, but they both are about the mm-hmm. same idea. So the one is that you've got to stop caring about 
how people perceive you in every situation. And I'm she, nodding. You yes. can't see me, but I'm nodding. Yeah, you can feel it. You, you can feel it. Yeah. Um, and her, her line is that like bitches get things done and you can't worry about people liking you all the time mm-hmm. because you just waste all this brain space when you could really be productive. And she's referencing a great, in telling the story, she's referencing a great Saturday Night Live skit with her and Amy Poehler um, talking about Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton yeah. and how she's perceived as a bitch. And they're, it's like, hey, you know what? Bitches get things done. It also... Um, tangentially but related there's an amazing Mindy Kaling and Lena Dunham interview and um, that they do I think it's probably an interview magazine and Lena Dunham asks Mindy Kaling who are you jealous of or who do you admire and Mindy Kaling's answer is women bosses who don't care what their staffs think of them and I was like totally I I lay up at night you know have spent so much time worrying about that and and it's not it's not helping anyone. No, certainly yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and the other one is this it plays on this improv idea that basically in improv, you never say no. You never if someone starts an, a conversation in improv and they're like, oh, my God, it's raining. You don't say no, it's not right. um, because that just shuts down the whole thing. Um, and instead you say yeah, and it's been raining like this for four years. Yep. And just sort of take it from there. It's the yes and principle. Yes and. You take it one level higher. Exactly. And so that's how Tina thinks that you should also approach your work life and to basically do that with your coworkers, to sort of build on their ideas and to brainstorm together um, and to not just shut things down. And to not worry about where you know where it's going yeah where it's going to go or if if the and the idea that you're working on is going to be the answer and i i mean i see myself do it all the time i can even think of earlier today when you and i were trying to solve something and i was like oh but it's then we're gonna have to design this new thing or oh that's gonna cost so much work but it's like you might as well just follow the thought to see where to see where yeah right right and then figure out whether it's an actual reasonable exactly and get it um, to it's get it to a place and i've seen we've seen other people who have backgrounds in improv talk about this being a really powerful concept this like say yes and build upon it and just like go with it because there's you know what 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 do you have to lose really exactly um okay i feel like lena dunham's book not that kind of girl Mm -hmm. and amy poehler's book yes please are two that also we both read and like really loved really loved there's less takeaway for them i feel like we should skip them just in this one small case, only and because just, we're running out of time. Otherwise, we will talk really about this would, for yeah. hours and hours. Can we shout out the non-TV celebrity book that we love, Sheryl Sandberg? Obviously, people feel a lot of ways about her. I think there's plenty to, you know, rightly criticize. But I think the book is a really valuable read um, and has a lot of takeaway. And there are two principles that she talks about, which I just really got so excited about because they helped me understand a lot in the same way that that um the general did so totally the first one i actually read before i ever read her book because she mentioned it in a speech and she says the most important decision i'm, I'm not going to quote it exactly the most important career decision that a woman can make is who she marries basically is who yeah. her life partner is she doesn't say marries, she says she's if, she, if, if, if she if she chooses, chooses a partner, partner yeah. and then who and if she does decide to choose a life partner who that partner yes. is and i that and i had i think it was luckily reading that at a point where I had already chosen my life partner who so you felt really good. About yeah. Yourself. I felt, yeah. So that's really spoke to me because I chose an, a husband who's crazily supportive of the business and who has gone to bat for it in so many ways. And so has Erica and, you know, Erica has been with her, um, husband for 10 years. And so I had watched, um, I had watched the way Thomas was really supportive of, of a kind and of Erica working on of a kind all the time. And of me just because, you know, we're, I'm a friend, but also because I was his wife's business partner. And that was always 
so significant to me to realize that she could not have done both, like been a partner to Thomas and been a partner to me if Thomas weren't fully supportive of Avakine. And when I did meet Chris, that was so poignant to me that he was so supportive of Avakine. And, and, and I was like, I I couldn't do both. Yeah, um, no, and, fully. And so she says, she's like, I don't know one single, I can't name a single successful person, woman who's married, whose husband is not fully on board in every like way with fully, fully, fully being an equal parent, being an equal homemaker, being, an e- you know, supporting her career. And I thought that is so true and um, something to think about. Um, the other section that she talks about that I think speaks to both of us is this idea of mentorship. Yes. Um, and it's this idea of like the question, are you my mentor? <laughs> um, and how searching for a mentor has become this thing that women our age and, and I think younger um, have been encouraged to do and that you're supposed to go find your mentor. And that once you do this, that person will help pull you up the ladder and that will, you know, further your career. And that's a big win for you. As if it's something you could put out a Craigslist ad for. Correct. And she draws the parallel to this, to that book about the duck. Are you my mother? Who walks around saying, are you my mother? And then when the duck finds its mother, it doesn't have to ask, are you my mother? Because it's so obvious. It's it's like, duh. duh. Right. (laughs) Duh. Like, the other duck that's your mom and she's like it's the same thing with a mentor if you have to ask that person's probably not your mentor and she says when someone finds the right mentor it is obvious the question becomes a statement chasing or forcing that connection rarely works and i think it's so true i think that when you know when i have found my own mentors or when i have ended up mentoring people it's always been because it's this really natural sort of like gravitational pull towards one another well and i think we've both been in the position over the last five years where people have reached out and you know sort of sought those relationships and have tried to pull you into them and and, and i think you know unless you have naturally sort of fallen with someone and can relate to them it's very hard to make that connection um, in either direction and i i think for me too you know obviously i always want to help everybody and we are are both the beneficiaries of amazing mentorship and free help and free advice so i feel bad i've often felt bad when i haven't felt like mentoring someone and then when those people who have come along who just get me so excited about what they're doing and their ambition and i want them to succeed and it's so easy it's like let me I want to help you more than you maybe even want my help (laughs) yeah well and it's also that understanding that it's all it should always be a two-way street where it's like both parties are mentoring the other and it it should always feel like an exchange in that way not like it's this one-sided relationship where someone is you know requesting things all the time or like looking for constant feedback but is you know everybody's learning on both sides yeah completely wow all right, so we just shared shared so much so much about all our favorite advice books, and, and TV we're really stories. earnest about it. I yeah. feel like, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna take a break and come back and be less earnest. Best of luck.
Let's play a game. If I say three words, let's say Brooklyn classic food. You tell me what comes to mind. I'll give you a second. If the answer wasn't juniors, you lose the game. You can't possibly be a Brooklyn foodie, or a foodie at all for that matter, and not know about juniors. Founded by Harry Rosen in 1950, Junior's landmark restaurant is known as the home of New York's best cheesecake. Real talk, you have not fully lived unless you've had Junior's Cheesecake. The original location in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue is still thriving, or you can check them out at recent landmark additions in New York's Grand Central Terminal or in the heart of the theater district on Broadway and Times Square. Check out their first restaurant outside of New York at the Fox Tower Hotel at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. It's not just cheesecakes. They've got steak, seafood, sandwiches, salad, everything you would possibly need to complete an authentic New York dining experience. Don't be embarrassed next time somebody asks you if you've been to Junior's. Visit juniorscheesecake.com for more information. Hi. Uh, welcome back to A Few Things with Claire and Erica. Um, I hope you like being here. Do you like being here? <laughs> I love being here. Perfect. Good. Um, we just finished talking about celebrity advice books that we can really get behind. And now we're going to talk about more writing stuff, but writing on the internet. With somebody that um, we... I I have been reading her writing on the internet for as long as I've been like actively reading the internet, really. Um, her name is Molly McAleer, known to the internet as Malls. Are you there, Malls? Hey, guys. Hi. So, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, Malls, I'm so excited to have you on here. So, I, for, I have no idea how I stumbled onto Tumblr in the early days of Tumblr before it, like, it, before it was before Tumblr was Tumblr. Before Tumblr was Tumblr. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I really, honestly, don't think people like know <laughs> what Tumblr used to be anymore because now when I hear people say like, "Oh, that's so like Tumblry," like I don't even know what they're referencing because I don't know what that landscape is anymore. It's- so different because when tumblr first started it was like a it felt like a small group of mostly new york and la kids who were in the i guess mostly creative industries and a lot of really good writers like you and the molly 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 young and who's the other molly um with the molly red- lambert yes. molly lambert all these people who have gone on to like make real names for themselves as writers were just sort of, you know, I think like experimenting on Tumblr in really wonderful ways and creating a community. And um, you, Molly, um, were and have been one of the funniest, most honest writers and have also gone on to just turn that into a big old badass career. Mm, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> how did you discover Tumblr? Wait, what? How did you discover Tumblr? Oh, okay. So I guess, I mean, I was working um, in, like, I was working for Gawker and Defamer for a while, and I was using a blogging platform called Vox. And around that time, my coworkers started, like, talking about this thing called Tumblr. You should just get on it. You should have your name saved. So I, I just joined and for a really long time just had my Vox blog feeding to this platform. Um, but then Vox got shut down, so I became, like, a Tumblr kid. Funny, Vox. And like, what happened? I didn't really get it for the first like year. I just I wasn't really checking it. So in a weird way, like I had a presence there, but I wasn't interactive on it. Then I started like going to Tumblr meetups. Were you guys around when like those were big? Yes. Yes. But I think we were there for like the late part of the Tumblr meetup moment. Era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It got pretty dicey to the like towards the end. Like there was I the LA stuff was pretty crazy. It was really fun. 
always more crazy in LA. So how, so, okay, so you, you made your mark in Tumblr, you just started, what, just started blogging or tum- Tumblring, whatever it is people do. In- yeah, like, when I was at Gawker, they kind of just said to me, like, you're going to have your name on the masthead, so it would make sense to have, like, a personal blog that we can link to huh. for you, like, you can maximize that. And I was like, oh, okay, they were like, we can link to anything you want, like, choose what it is you want. So, um, I just started a personal blog, um the Vox blog and then um, I mean that's kind of like how I started it I did uh, stand up and sketch um, in college and I had kind of been blogging and like doing message boardy stuff um, since I was like 11 really like I've always kind of my whole life just gone to the internet as an outlet for creative stuff and um, it just like so happened that I kind of moved to LA and had like the you know freedom and all these resources at, at my fingertips around the time that that's like that part of entertainment, I guess, started to be recognized and like blown up a little bit. You just said started to do message boardy stuff. I know. I what like, is that when you were 11? Okay, so what does that mean when you're 11 and doing message boardy stuff? What kind of content are you creating? I was like a complete troll. Like, okay. I was like, I was like a complete message board troll. Like, I, um, I mean, I was really big into, like, the early AOL ones. Like, I was really big on the Seventeenth uh, magazine, Sex and Body. Shut Amazing. What was your script name? That vertical. It was a yeah. really toxic environment. Like, uh, there was, like, 25 girls on there that had, like, these entire... We were all, like, creating fictional lives. And, of like, course. It was just, you know, we were you all, were all like 17 and you all had straight blonde hair and blue eyes. And had had sex like at least Lately. three times. <laughs> yeah, no, but then I had other names that I would go on. I mean, for all I know, I was talking to maybe one other person, but we were just <laughs> pretending to be 25 different people. Like, it was really, it was pretty dark. But like, actually, if anything, I feel really lucky to have had an interest in that because I that experience has really helped me write characters a lot. Um, oh, that's because, amazing. You know, like, it's it's actually, like, those, it's those weird little things that I never thought would, like, affect my career or, like, be useful to me. I should say not affect my career, but, like, be useful tools for me. Right, that you and, could draw um, on later. And kind of just were. I mean, I guess it's, like, I don't know if you think about, like, you put your 10,000 hours into something, that theory, like... I think I put my 10,000 hours into, like, being a message board troll. And like, <laughs> creating really characters. And, like, television writing. That is <laughs> awesome. Wow. That's makes total sense. Um, can we talk a little bit about various other sort of moments on your CV? Um, so you you are a co-founder of Hello Giggles. Um, and you also, yeah. you also wrote for Two Broke Girls. You've written a book. Um, you're working on some other really exciting projects. You've been writing in various capacities for entertainment now for a long time. Um, how has writing for television or writing for Hello Giggles a more sort of like... I like in a professional it's capacity, like a more I mass, guess. It's yeah, like or a yeah. more mass platform, right? You can't just talk yeah, about... I mean, yeah, well, it's a completely different guide. Right. Like, um, with the internet, it's just way more... It's intuitive. Um, but like when I was building the Hello Giggles editorial team, it, we really didn't know... We, I mean, we started from scratch. It was like an idea we had. So I just approached like my 15 girlfriends that I knew were like talented and smart and funny and I just said like let's just brainstorm on like what you would put on a 
female-friendly, empowered website where we just want everyone to, like, write whatever they want and feel really comfortable, but also keep in mind that this isn't a place where we want people to go and feel badly about themselves. Right. And um, from that, you know, that's sort of like, that's it's a completely different process. I just... Um, I, you know, writing for a TV show like Two Broke Girls, however, writing writing a TV show, a half hour or any TV show, it's a structured thing. There is, like, a format you follow. Um, it's like, you know, writing a, a half hour television, it's kind of like writing, like, eight mini sketches that all go together, right. in a way. Um, and... Uh, do you have that, a f- and you're also like focusing on someone else's vision. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're make you're taking your thoughts and putting it into another person's thing. But when you're building a show from a ground up, it is a little bit more like the maybe starting a starting a website sort of thing because you get to completely spitball and it morphs and changes like minute by minute. Um, and that's really really fun and cool, but also like kind of scary because you're like what's going on the whole time (laughs) what kind of writing are you most comfortable doing i don't know i mean i don't um it's like what i just wanted at a time is the kind that i'm most comfortable doing i can do like when i wrote the ebook this year i didn't write any television stuff i didn't write a sample or anything else i just like pulled myself out of staffing for the year and was like i'm just gonna focus on this um when I was writing on Two Broke Girls and running Hello Giggles, that was an enormous challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like, why I left the show after three years and decided to become a silent partner in Hello Giggles because I was putting all of my time into two voices, and that was incredibly... Um, that was, like, I guess a, a backseat on my voice, which is very lucky, like, shammy to have, but also <laughs> a... Um, it just is. It's. It's. It was like mentally draining. I couldn't do it for much longer than three years, you know. And I still am kind of like getting back, getting back my footing from that. That makes sense. Are there any? So, I think like I have always loved em- emphatically and enthusiastically your personal writing that you do on Twitter and on your Tumblr. That is just super raw and just feels like you just like you know, stream of consciousness and hits and, and it's really funny and you have an amazing sort of sensibility and sense of humor about you. Um, is there, and do you have limits or is there stuff you just like don't want to put on the internet? Cause it feels anything like off limits. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like I, I feel like a creep. Cause even before we met, I was like, Oh my God, I just know her so well. And the first time we met, I was like nervous, like a first date. Like I was like, I feel like oh. I know her really well, but she doesn't know me. Cause I just, you're like intimate in a way that's really accessible on the internet. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I have to say, like, that's the part of it that I consider to be, um, like, the thing that makes it more than just a diary. Mm-hmm. And then the part of it that's also, like, the most, uh, I feel, like, obnoxious about what I do. Because I am, it's not all, it's never the full picture. Yeah, right? I could never course. just, like, give a full picture. Because there's always, like people in my life I respect and I want to like retract that part of the story because it's going to like you want to protect them or paint them in a bad light um you know I actually like I do something that a lot of my writer friends um who write personally say is a bad thing but it's the only way I can do it is just like I never want to hurt my mom's feelings yep like I've gotten a little bit better about that Mm -hmm. as she has gotten better about it like realizing that this is what I do, but like, I kind of just don't ever want to make my family feel ashamed or sad. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I my the ebook I wrote was like kind of a departure for, from that in a way that I was just like, yeah, I mean, they could just like draw a lot of conclusions from this. But and you know, even with that ebook, like there were so many things that had to be compromised legally, but that also like I thought to myself as I was writing it, you know what? This is an ebook. Like I'm doing this to hand it in. Right. Like at the same time, and so like I just really need to like. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that I, I didn't put in because, like, frankly, there's there there's a better use for some of those anecdotes. So I just, um, yeah, it, it is actually, it's thought out but not thought out. I've definitely written things before and then, like, had a tinge of, like, uh, that. Yeah. Like, you, just take it down. What um, about things that you look back yeah. at, like, five years later? Are you like, I oh can't believe I put No, I'm like, well, well, like, here's the thing, like, there's, I say this about everyone. There's like literally nothing more embarrassing than growing up. Like <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Like it, like think about something you did six months ago, and totally. like it's embarrassing because but, you're like, oh my god, I know so much more now. Like that's so mortifying. I did that. Like I'm everyone. Or like when I talk to like, you know, I, I, I'm around like a lot of younger people uh, in this business, and like I'm like 23 year olds and stuff, and oh I'm, I'm listening and talk, and I'm just like, oh my god, I was that unconscious and like maniacal at one point in my life too. Like I was all over the place and I didn't know anything, and I talked about everything like I knew everything. Like it was, yeah. I mean, it, I just it's very humbling. What's so funny? Up. What's so funny about you saying that is that. I think that that the embarrassment of actually of growing up like being young and you sharing so much of that that you've shared about like you know your issues with weight or your you know you had like issues with your eyesight when you were younger and had to wear these crazy glasses yeah. and all this stuff has is are some of my favorite posts about you and I guess I started reading your stuff in like my mid 20s which was way too old to be still be embarrassed about stuff that happened when I was like young like 12 or something but I remember you posted this thing on Tumblr that was just a picture of Pepperidge Farm bread and it was probably like multi-green and you were like this was the only bread that I was allowed to have in my house growing up and I remember I said and you to wanted Erica, to reach through the computer screen I, yeah <laughs> I wanted to reach through the computer screen and hug you as it because I'm like we my, weren't allowed yeah. white bread either don't worry no it was like and you were just like you were like I was one of those households like we could not have actually good tasting bread and I was like me too and even though or was, the good cereal yeah. don't even worry about it and but it would, don't feel like such a better person for it like, I'm so grateful <laughs> that I don't have a taste for Wonder Bread like there's no thirst for me in that and I, but it's nerdy when you're growing up and you're like sorry guys it's the guys. most like, embarrassing thing and again. it's lonely when you're growing up but it's just so funny to me now like at you know in my 30s to be like really that's spoke to because now most of that stuff I get that like whatever it all made me who I was but whatever when I was 25 and you wrote that and I published it I made me feel so much better and I was like thank you Molly for discussing the issue of terrible parents who make their kids eat healthy bread about food snobbery that's ingrained in all of us yeah I mean, completely. I'm open about my food snobbery now because I'm so grateful that I grew up like that <laughs> I actually so and I but it's embarrassing I'm, totally. glad, that, I'm glad that healed you that did there's heal me of, that's a lot of layers here your honesty about how embarrassing it is to grow up really has has healed me in many ways so thank you um you're welcome, girl. <laughs> Something specific about the internet that you know a lot of writers don't have to face. Do you read the comments? Oh, um, no, actually, uh, yes and no. Um, like when I write, when I like was writing, doing some writing for like stock catalog last year, like I yeah. would just be like, well, I would never read those comments because like they're not written by like real humans. Like yeah. they are, <laughs> but they just like aren't. So yeah. Um, 
you know, there was like a period in my career where if I would write for a website, like sometimes I would just like email. There was actually a lot. Uh, there isn't a lot of instances of it. I've even been mentioned in an article that I have emailed the editor of the website and told them to block me from ever being able to comment on their website because they blocked my IP address. Because Amazing. I don't. Because you like, don't trust don't yourself not to like chime in. Yeah. Yeah. Go in there and be like, you don't know me. Right. <laughs> I think that that should actually be the only comment you're allowed to make on anything. You don't know me. You don't know me. Um, are there, okay, here's another thing. You've always been really bold with um, platforms. Like you're on, you're everywhere. You know, your Twitter, your Snapchat, you were podcasting before this whole, like, before, way before we were. Way before we were, <laughs> way before this whole, like, podcasting 2.0 renaissance. Do you, will you just try anything once or are you just, like, how? do you decide um i mean i definitely will try anything once like snapchat i was like super adverse to for a while because like i i mean i think a lot of people especially like you know i'm 30 i'll be 32 in january like i'm not really of that age and then like you know i start to feel like a little bit of a curmudgeon because i was like it can't just all be like teenagers like sending each other new pics (laughs) like Um, i need to have a presence on snapchat to make it more mature to have it be a more accurate representation. Wait, do you think what? No, I was saying, is that why you got on it? Because you were like, it can't oh, all be no, young people. No. It needs Molly. I mean, no, I actually had like a bunch of girlfriends that were like, Molly, just get on it. Um, Shut your and face my and friend, do it. My friend Laura Miller, who actually, my friend Laura Miller loves you guys. And oh, you would oh, love she's, her. She's, 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 me. she's a vegan chef. Yeah. Wait, shut up. We were just talking about her. I love her. We love her. her and- yeah, no, she loves you guys. And is like a fan. I like sent her your Chiquita banana earrings like uh, in Lincoln. I was like, my friend website has these really cute earrings you would love them and she was like oh my god i'm such a fangirl of theirs i bought a calendar once wait really so because i didn't even know she knew who we were because i think I we did think, know she bought a calendar which is real stuck, i knew that really, oh, yeah. i don't remember yeah. but i you guys need to all check out her, her on instagram. instagram it's called i'm laura miller and she's she makes like hilarious. headdresses out of uh, scallions so get into that Okay, good. Next time but, we're on the West so Coast, we can all get together. She basically was like the one who really pushed me over, and she got me to get a Bitmoji. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'll try. I mean, I will try anything once. I really like, you know, um, the podcasting stuff is like radio is kind of my passion deep down. Like I listen to talk radio all day. I like study it. I what really do you listen to? Yeah, what talk radio should we be listening to? Oh my god, everything. Like, Doctor um, Laura. I, I mean, Howard Stern for sure, okay. but like. I just went on a road trip this last week and a half and was, like, shocked that my road trip partner, like, couldn't handle more than four hours of Dr. Laura again. <laughs> I was like, what are you what? talking about? Like, this is the best stuff on the, in the world right now. Like, she is just bringing so much energy to this world. It's bananas. Dr. Laura is just, like, consist- like, consistently doing wild work over there. It's great. <laughs> amazing. Um, Eric and I, this doesn't actually qualify as talk radio, but we... It feels like talk radio. We've been do, We've been in the car a lot more driving um, out of state in the mornings, and we have been listening to Ebro in the Morning on Hot 97, which is a New York radio station, and it's like uh-huh. it's like a morning talk radio it's, show. We call it Drake 97. It's just like... They only play Drake. Two Drake songs, and then some talking about which candy bars are the best, that, and then Ride or Die. And then they have this segment called, yeah, Ride or Die, which Eric and I aspire to be on where like a girlfriend or like a guy will call his wife and prank her and be like um i'm in jail or no i'm about to get drug tested 
by my work. Can you have our son pee into a cup and bring it to work because I just smoked pot yesterday? And it's like, is your wife ride or die? Is she going to say, yes, I will bring our son's pee She's going to be like, work. sure, I'll throw both the kids in the back of the car. I'll put oh, I'll put their God. urine in a plastic bag. That. I'll keep it I warm the whole way. Say, I do love like rap, um, like rap radio morning shows so are my good. favorite. And I loved Steve Harvey was on our um, on our he was on K-Day for many years. And um, Steve Harvey's morning show was great. Have you ever heard of the I Strawberry actually, Letter? Uh, no. Just Google Strawberry Letter. It's his, like, girls, like, it's it's uh, it's his Robin's, like, little segment. It's great. Um, oh, but everyone discovered that on their own. Wow. <laughs> Strawberry Letter. Wow. Yeah, so good. Um, okay, back to the... Back to- written works for just one last second who should we else should we be reading on the internet right now oh my gosh okay well you know this is like this is a me thing and I really I'm not I haven't really been like keeping up with the Kardashians so to speak like, I have no idea what's going on with like okay. the trendy blogosphere right now <laughs> but whenever I want to really like get inspired I just start googling like crazy conspiracy theories like if you just like type in like obama has fake ears and stuff like you'll start to find like really really Whoa. really like there's just mentally ill people are deeply creative in like, a very un, like unself-conscious way and it's really really cool okay and, and so that so the best writing on the internet is just googling crazy conspiracy theories i have a gift for you ne- so next time you're feeling this way search on instagram hashtag chemtrails like chemical trails oh yes because i want to I know about this i've heard of it in the atmosphere but like haven't looked it up thank you yeah you're welcome claire what are chemtrails, oh, chemtrails so that the rest of the listeners know. well i sh- i shouldn't tell you because i should force everybody to discover this on their own but there's a just whole a, just this will be enough i thought <laughs> i looked into this after you told me <laughs> there's a community of people who believe that the white clouds coming out of Airplane engines engines are actually um, dusting the world with poison or who even knows what, like sleeping chemicals, just stuff to make us all however the government wants us to be. Yeah, Yeah. to make us get in line. Exactly. That's to wrap it up nicely. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound wrong. Like, I I (laughs) think it doesn't sound right, but also I could... You're not, you're not, you're not opposed to this. It would be an innovative and effective way to get that job done, to make everybody get in line. (laughs) Yeah, I mean exactly. Uh, Mom, yeah, thank you, guys, you so much for doing so much. this. We, we love you. We love you so much, and we are so honored to have you on. So everybody, malls.tumblr.com. Also, listen at to malls her. on Twitter. Yes, all, her Twitter is Buckwild for real. And, you guys, um, <laughs> pretty Buck. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, please advise her pod, her advice podcast, which I think yes, we need to have I like know, a crossover I episode. To LA and be on the pod. We will do it. Have you call in? But I feel like I want you in studio. We'll do we'll it. We'll come be on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> Our studio's um, Christina's dining room. So. Oh, perfect. Um, all right. Awesome. Okay, you, guys are, you guys are killing it. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to A Few Things with Claire and Erica. We are here live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. If you miss us, you should sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com, where you can also buy the best holiday presents that there are that are all limited edition and exclusive and you can only get them on of a kind and we even have wrapping paper so you don't have to worry about that shit it's so true you can also find us on itunes stitcher or heritage radio network.org i assume um and listen up yeah give us a five-star rating leave all the comments be nice talk to you soon bye
listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.